This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Well, we're going to continue with this series of Dreaming Big. How, how are your dreams? How are your dreams? Have we got some big dreams in this room? Are there some people in this room that maybe over the past few weeks have been saying, actually, God, stir something up inside of me again. Maybe some of you that had lost a dream, maybe the past few weeks, something has begun to stir up again inside of you. Well, this morning we're talking about dream big. We're continuing to talk about dream big. Uh, and I just want to share with you a few massive dreams that have been realized. 25 years ago uh, this week, uh, a nation was united, a nation that was divided uh, this week, we celebrated 25 years of the, the reunification of Germany. Um, the Berlin Wall uh, that separated East Germany from West Germany. 25 years ago, this week, we celebrated that monumentous day when a nation was united. And the Chancellor, Chancellor of Germany this week said, our dreams came true. When she was reflecting on what happened 25 years ago and what's happened since that, in that nation. She said, our dreams have come true. That's a big dream, isn't it? The dream for an entire nation. Our dreams came true. How about last Sunday? Last Sunday, there was a big dream realized. There was a big dream realized. And look at that. What an awesome image. What an awesome moment of, we are here. <laughs> the dreams that God put in our hearts to build something significant for this community and for this nation and for the nations. A dream was realized, and you're a part of it. We're a part of that together. I just want to share one other dream that was, uh, that was realized. Uh, the man on the, on the screen is a man that may be familiar to many of you, Archbishop um, Desmond Tutu. And he uh, was at the forefront of leading the fight against apartheid and against racial inequality in South Africa. And he's become something of a beacon for global reconciliation and hope. Well, he wrote a book in the aftermath of what was achieved in South Africa. He wrote a book. And the book is called God Has a Dream. And my message to you this morning is this, is that God has a dream. God has a dream. And God has a dream that includes you. God has a dream that your dream can be a part of. Now, maybe, maybe you do have a dream. And this morning, I think one great thing to do with your dream is to begin to ask the question, is my dream part of God's dream? Does my dream come from God? God has a dream. God has a dream. And all the way through Scripture, we see the dream of God. And from Genesis to Revelation, we see God explaining and articulating his dream and his vision. You know, it's a dream. Uh, it's a dream that started in creation. It's a dream that one day that every tear will be wiped away. You know, it's a dream that one day uh, every sickness will be healed. It's a dream of harmony between God and humanity. It's a dream of community. It's a dream that's surrounded in faith, hope, and love. But there's a story. Uh, when I was thinking about this question this week, God, what is your dream? God, what is your dream? There was a story that I was reminded of in the Gospel of Luke, a story that Jesus tells about a father and two sons. So this morning, as we consider this question, well, if God has a dream, what is the dream of God? Can you turn with me to Luke 15? If you don't have a Bible, 
the story will be on the screen. This is a story that may be familiar to a lot of you in this room, but there may be some of you in this room that are unfamiliar with this story. A story about a father and two sons. And it's a story that Jesus tells. So it goes like this. A man had two sons. And the youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now. Which is akin to saying, I wish you were dead. The younger brother essentially comes to the father and says, I wish you were dead. Instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the youngest son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed the pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Have you been that hungry? But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired men have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father. But while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe and put it on my son. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine that was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing. Hopefully this morning, people will hear music and dancing from the outside and ask, what, what's going on? He asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father's killed the calf we were fattening and prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do anything you asked me. And in all that time, you never even gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said to him, look, my dear son, you and I are very close and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. God has a dream. God has a dream. And just a few things I want to bring out from this incredible story, the story of the father and the two sons. In this story, the father represents God, just in case we missed that. In this story, the father character represents the character of God. And these two sons in the story represent his children, maybe represent different reactions to God. Here's the first thing I want to say about what this story teaches me about the dream of God. God's dream 
is for a big house. I don't know if you picked that up, but God's dream is for a massive house. Why? Why, why does God want a big house? Why have we built this incredible building? Why does God want a big house? Well, the answer is easy, isn't it? He wants to show off. He <laughs> wants to show off. That's why, isn't it? He wants to say, look at my house. Look at how cool it is. No. <laughs> God wants a big house because he loves his children. Do, do you know this? That when God looks at you, he sees his children. He sees sons and daughters. But when God looks at people that are in this room, that maybe live across the road or live in this community or a part of this community, do you know what he sees? He sees his children. <laughs> he sees his sons and his daughters. And he wants a massive house because he wants them all to come home. <laughs> he wants a massive house. And I don't know about you, that, that excites me. He wants a massive house because he wants them all to come home. In this story, we have a son that returns home. And God wants a big house. Why? Because he wants his children to return home. He needs a big house. <laughs> he needs a big house because there's lots of people that live in East Lancashire. There are lots of people that live in East Lancashire. And so we need a massive house. Not, not just for God. We need a massive house for all the people because we're trying to reach a whole community. So we need a big house. Why? Because God wants his children to come home. People are our priority. You are children of the king, sons and daughters of the king of the universe. But so are the people that aren't yet in this room. That's the first thing. God has a dream. It's for a big house. God has a dream for a house of life. I love Luke 15, 23 to 25. What's God's reaction to this son that comes home? This wayward, rebellious son that wastes, squanders the family wealth. What's God's reaction to that son? He when he comes home, what does he do? He throws him a party. <laughs> he throws him this absolutely incredible party. So loud that people working in the field can hear that something is going on in that place. It is a loud party. It is a vibrant party. It is an exciting party. It's an extravagant party. There is life in this party. I love the idea that when somebody comes to God, what's our reaction? Let's celebrate. <laughs> Let's have a party. Well, why can't church be, uh, I think this is a church that, it, that knows how to celebrate. <laughs> that knows how to party. Like we, we know how to do this. And I want to, you to welcome that. This is a house of life. And the third thing this teaches me about the dream of God is to build a house of grace. I love this image. The father is on the edge of his land, hoping that today is the day that the son comes home. And in this story, today is the day. The father is on the edge of his land, hoping that today is the day. When he sees his son, what does he do? He runs. <laughs> when he sees the son, and the son is kind of rehearsing his, uh, his speech, isn't he? He's kind of rehearsing this speech, going over in his mind, what is my father going to do when he sees me? How is he going to react to me when I see my father? When the father sees the son, he runs. He runs to the son, throwing off a sense of dignity for this middle-aged, respectable man. He throws all that off and runs to his son and embraces his son. This is a house of grace. Um, there are a band that maybe don't know Jesus, but they've got this great line in one of their songs, a band called Mumford and Sons. They say this, it's not the long walk home that will change this heart, but the welcome I receive at the restart. 
the welcome that I receive when I try and start again. It's not the long walk home that's going to change my heart. It's actually when I get home, it's about the welcome that I receive. I've got a sneaky suspicion that that song's actually about this story. The, the moment of when I get home, what will the reception be? When I get to the Father's house, when I come back to church community, when I come back, what will be the welcome that I receive? Well, the dream of God is to create a house of grace. If you've ever messed up, if you've ever made a mistake, then you're welcome here. If you've ever wanted a restart, you know, have you ever wanted that? Have you ever thought, can I just click refresh? You know, can I, can I click undo? Can I restart? If you've ever wanted a new beginning, then you are welcome here. If you've ever needed forgiveness, if you feel like you're carrying a burden, like a weight, if you feel like life is just this weight on my shoulders and I need someone to lift the weight, to lift that burden, I need forgiveness, I need a restart, then you are welcome here. I want to encourage you, if you heard this story and kind of thought, I feel like that older brother sometimes. I feel like I'd never do anything wrong, but I never get noticed and I never get celebrated. Can I encourage you with two things? One, the Father says to you, everything I have is yours. Wow. (laughs) Everything that God has is yours. And the second encouragement is, join the party. (laughs) Join the party. There are, over these next few weeks, we're going to go into a season where we see loads of people enter our community and find Jesus. And we are going to be having party after party after party after party. Older brothers, if you've ever felt like the older brother, can I encourage you, come and join, come and join the party. Come and join the party. Uh, this week I had the privilege of leading the assembly at Burnley High School. Burnley High School is our Christian ethos free school that Life Church has been instrumental in establishing in our town. It's the, the first uh, school of its like for 500 years or something like that. It, it's pioneering. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing privilege to be a part of it. So I led the assembly on, a, on Tuesday afternoon. And the assembly was on fellowship because uh, Burnley High School is based on three values, grace, love, and fellowship. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. What a great ethos for a school in our town. Grace, love, and fellowship. So I talked about the idea of fellowship. And because we've got this, we're, we're talking about dream big, I asked the question, what do you think the dream of God is? As part of my assembly, I asked the question, what do you think God's dream is? Now, there's 32 young people in the, in the assembly, so they got the opportunity to answer back. Here are some of those answers. We think the dream of God is world peace. We think the dream of God is equality for all people. We think the dream of God is diversity and celebrating diversity. We think the dream of God is people treating each other well. I then gave one of the students an opportunity for a, a last answer. Okay, what is the dream of God for Burnley? And this young man said, for Burnley to win the Premier League. <laughs> I said, sadly, I don't think that, that is going to happen. <laughs> but I think Burnley have got a better chance than Liverpool at the moment. For Burnley to win the Premier League. So what is the dream of God? I asked them this question. I, I got them thinking about what is the dream of God? But then... Then ask them another question. Okay, if that's the dream of God, that's all fantastic things. And yeah, I think that those are dreams for God. Peace, diversity, equality, that people would treat each other well. They're great things to say. But then I turned the question back on them and I said, 
I think God wants to recruit you to be a part of his dream team. I think God wants to recruit you to be part of his team to make his dreams come true. So here was the second question I asked them. If God has a dream, how can I play my part in making it happen? If God has a dream, then maybe some of us would say, God, you go for it. God, that's your dream. You go for it. And we will sit here and applaud. Or, God, that's your dream. You, you go and do that. What I challenged the students at Burnley High School to say was, well, if God has a dream, how can I play my part in making it happen? I have a part to play because uh, I'm part of the church. I'm part of the body of Christ. I have a part to play. And that's my question to you this morning. God has a dream, but he wants you to play your part in making his dream come true. He wants to recruit you onto his dream team. So here's three ways I think you can make God's dream come true. You okay so far? You with me? Great. The front always. Remember, we're allowed to be enthusiastic about everything. <laughs> Number one, how can I play my part in making God's dream come true? Number one, make his prayer your prayer. Make his prayer your prayer. Once upon a time, 12 young men went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father, the King of heaven, holy and honored is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's Matthew chapter 6. And then he says a few more things. But that middle bit of the prayer is the bit I want to focus on. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, can we just play with the words a little bit there? Because the word will is very similar to the word dream. God, what's in your heart? God, that's what we want. God, for your kingdom to come, your will, your heart's desire. God, what we want is your heart's desire, your dreams to come true. Now, here, here's my question for you this morning. I know, I, I know I've asked a lot of questions already, but here's another question for you. Have you ever asked the question, God, what is your dream for my family? God, what's your dream for my family? God, what's your ambition for my family? God, what's your will for my family? God, what's your heart's desire? God, what would you love to see my family be like and accomplish? God, what's your dream for my place of work? Maybe you just think you're there to make up the numbers. But God, what's your dream for my career? God, what's your dream for what I do between the hours of nine to five on a Monday to Friday? Now, God, what is your dream for my workplace? God, what's your dream for my community? God, what's your dream for my street? God, what's your dream for my life? Now, here's where the prayer comes. Because the prayer is, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that means in my family. God, what's your dream for my family? God, what's your dream for my workplace on earth as it is in heaven? So can I encourage you to make his prayer your prayer? Wouldn't it be awesome if as a community we were praying that prayer together? God, today, God, what is your dream for my day today? Tomorrow morning you wake up and you're doing whatever you're doing on a Monday morning. But you wake up and your prayer is, God, your kingdom come. Your dreams come true in my life. But isn't it a great question first to ask, well, God, what is your dream? What is your dream for my Monday? God, what is your dream for my family? So that's the first thing. Make his prayer your prayer. Even today, that would be a great question to ask. God, what is your dream for my family? 
sorry that I've never asked that question before. <laughs> I've been doing family for a number of years, but God, what is actually your dream for my family? God, I've been in this place of work for a number of years. Sorry, I've never asked you this question before, but God, what do you actually want to do in this place? God, what is your dream for my place of work, for my street, for my community? Awesome. Number two, this is a phrase that I often use in my house. I have a beautiful wife called Bryony to amazing little girls called Isabella and Jasmine. And for a few years now, we've been saying teamwork makes the dream work. That's a little phrase in our house when we're trying to motivate them or encourage them to do something. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. Well, that's what I want to say to you this morning as Life Church. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. Last Sunday was a dream country for many people, but it took a team, didn't it? People to open up, people to clean the place, people, people that do stuff on stage, but then an army of people that do stuff off stage. It takes a, dream, it takes a team to make the dream work. Can I say this? That it's not just about you and your dream. It's about the team. It's about the team. But here's the great thing. When somebody else has a win, we all win because we're a team. So when someone else has a praise report, we all win because we're part of a great team. I heard this quote this week. Accountable people achieve results others can only dream of. You are part of a team. So maybe what you need actually is somebody that will challenge you. Somebody that will keep you accountable. Somebody that will, um, somebody that will encourage you, but somebody that will ask you tough questions. Because it's teamwork that makes the dream work. Accountable people achieve results others can only dream of. Why? Because they have somebody to sharpen them. They have somebody to say, hey, is that the best use of your time? There's greatness inside of you. What if you went in this direction? Accountable people achieve results others can only dream of. Get around people who will help you, challenge you, encourage and affirm you. I was speaking at an event a few weeks ago and one of the other speakers was a guy called Dave Gilpin. And he talks about this idea of sharpening the acts of praise. And I loved it. He talks about this idea that when he speaks in his church, it's not difficult for people to have a sharp axe of criticism. It's not difficult, and maybe you've experienced this too, that when people want to criticize you, they're very precise. Have you experienced that? <laughs> when they want to criticize you, it's very incisive. They know exactly what you did wrong, exactly when you did it, how you did it. They are very precise. Their axe of criticism is sharp. But when people want to encourage you, normally it's just like, that was good. <laughs> No, it's very non-specific. What you did was really good. Well done. <laughs> but when they want to criticize you, they say, what you did was really bad because of these five reasons. <laughs> so oftentimes, people have a very sharp axe of criticism. But hey, why don't we as a community sharpen our axe of praise? Why don't we as a community sharpen our axe of encouragement? And actually finding people that we can encourage and celebrate. Can I share one story with you to do with this? A few weeks ago, we, we honoured Jeff for 25 years of uh, Christian leadership in this, in this church community. And one of the people on the video was a guy called Mark Ritchie. Um, there's a picture on the screen. Some of you would have seen Mark speak in Nelson uh, back in May. He spoke at Life Church back in May. 
Mark Ritchie is an evangelist. Mark Ritchie talks to thousands of people all the time about Jesus. Mark Ritchie, over the past few years, has been carrying a cross all over the UK, sharing with people the incredible, life-changing news of Jesus. Just this week, Mark Ritchie preached in the north of England, and 200 young people came to know Jesus, became Christians in that meeting. Mark Ritchie preaches to thousands of people Hundreds, probably thousands of people have become Christians because of Mark's ministry. But a number of years ago, sometime in the last 25 years, it began because Jeff sharpened his acts of praise. This is what Mark said. You believed in me when no one else did. You believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. You brought greatness out of me. And that's why we honored you that day. That's why we honor you now. But can I encourage all of us to be like that? Mark, now... We can all see that he's awesome. He's on a stage, he's preaching, thousands of people, filling stadiums. That's at this point in his journey. But at this point in his journey, he was just a young Scottish preacher who no one had taken a chance on. Until somebody said, hey, I think you could, I think there's greatness inside of you. Until somebody encouraged him, until somebody sharpened him. What if we can be like that for somebody else in this room? I think in this room, there is greatness. There is greatness all over this room. There's greatness all over this community. But it takes somebody to say, I'm going to sharpen my acts of praise. Teamwork makes the dream work. There are people who are going to make the dream of God for this community happen who aren't yet in this community. So it's going to take somebody to encourage them, to take a hold of them, to lead them, to guide them, to mentor them. There are some people in this room who have incredible dreams that God has put on their heart. They just need the greatness inside of them being brought out. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. Here's the the last thing I want to say. To go for it. Kind of like, this is one of those pretend last points because I see three things in one. To go for it, to take a risk, to be courageous. In order to see the dream of God come to pass, just sometimes you just need to say, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to step up and be courageous. Here's one of my favorite Bible verses, 2 Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord range the whole earth for someone to strengthen. Guess who God is going to strengthen? The person stood up saying, I'll have a go. The person that's saying, I will take a risk. The person that's saying, I'll show some courage. God is attracted to faith. The eyes of the Lord are ranging the whole earth for someone to strengthen. And someone stands up and says, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll have a go. I'll dream with my sleeves rolled up. I'll take a risk. I'll be courageous. And God then strengthens, his promises that he'll strengthen that. The eyes of the Lord range the whole earth for someone to strengthen. Robert Murray McShane said this, If I could hear Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. There are some massive dreams in this room. Our encouragement is to go for it, (laughs) to dream big, to say, God, what is your dream and how can I play my part in making that happen? God, your dream is for a a massive house so all of your children can come home. Your dream is for a house of life, a house of grace. 
God, your dream, your prayer is for your kingdom to come. God, I want to play my part in that. God, I want to stand up and take a risk. But sometimes we feel that fear, don't we? If you could hear Jesus praying for you, you would not fear a million enemies. The Bible says this, that Jesus is praying for you right now. That's what the Bible says, that Jesus is praying for you right now. If you could hear what he's saying, if you could hear that confidence in his voice when he's praying about you, you would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He maybe isn't in the next room, but he is praying for you. So you can be confident knowing that Jesus is with you. Jesus is praying for you. And I'd love to pray for some people in this room. Maybe the band could come and join us. There's an amazing verse in the book of Acts, also in the book of Joel. This verse is going to be on the screen. And we're going to respond to this verse. It says this, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. As the band begins to play, here's the simple response this morning. There are people in this room who maybe are saying, I want to dream again. Jeff said this a few weeks ago, that you had a dream and maybe you feel like it's gone, but you want to dream again. Well, this morning, God wants to fulfill what he said. Old men will dream dreams. Old women will dream dreams. Age isn't really the issue here. People that maybe thought, my days have gone. The best is behind me. I'm talking to you. So you might be young, but you might be thinking, my, day, my best days are behind me. No. God wants to say to you today, new, a new dream is coming. A new dream is coming. For the young and for the young at heart who are saying, God, I want your leadership in my life. God, I want vision and direction. Well, God wants to give it to you this morning. My hope and my prayer is that there's some of you in this room are kind of are itching to say, let me go. I want to go for it. I want to take a risk. I want to be courageous. I would love to pray for you this morning. And my invitation, if you want to respond to this word, I'll pour my spirit out on all people. You'll prophesy. You will dream dreams. You will see visions. You will dream big again. Maybe you'll dream big for the first time. Why don't you stand to your feet if you want that? Why don't you stand to your feet? Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.